Well, we have a great God to be praised, don't we? He's certainly worthy of all of our praise, and that's one of the things we're seeing as we work our way through the book of Job. So I'd invite you to take your Bibles, uh, your electronic device, or the Pew Bible in front of you, and join me at Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. We'll get to chapter 42 in just a, a few minutes here, but Job chapter 38. This morning we are continuing this series that we've called Out of Darkness. Six weeks in the book of Job. We started by looking at suffering in the world, the problem of evil. Why does evil exist? Then we saw how Job and how we need to be choosing faith in the midst of suffering. The next week we saw that feelings are real. Feelings are given to us by God, but feelings are never intended to be authoritative. And feelings will never trump the Word of God. God's Word is always primary, and we align our feelings behind what the Word of God has to say. Last week, we looked at bad counsel, three of Job's friends coming to him and giving him counsel that basically uh, was bad. And then this morning, we're going to look at how to respond to God, and next week, we'll look at the restoration of Job. Now, just as a way of review and a reminder for us, I want us to remember Job's loss. Remember, in one day, the messengers came to him, and he lost everything that he had. Job, a very rich man, probably the richest man of his time, and he loses it all in one day. The same day, he loses his family. Ten children, a tornado hits their home, and all ten of them are killed. Later, he loses his health, boils on him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He's constantly itching. He loses his health, and then he loses his wife's support. His wife, in frustration and in an emotional response, just cries out and says, why don't you just curse God and die? So Job has had a great deal come into his life. Last week, we considered the advice of his three friends. And you will remember Job's evaluation of his three friends were, they're worthless. Because they basically came along and they said, Job, this has come upon you because of your great sin. Tell us where you have sinned. Uh, one of his friends said to him, Job... You deserve worse than what you've received. Now, that just kind of uh, messes with my mind a little bit here to look at all that Job went through for someone to tell him, you deserve worse than what you've received. And then, of course, his one friend told him, uh, Job, you're wicked, you're like a worm, and you're like a maggot. Now, those are great uplifting words to someone who is going through a lot. After his three friends have spoken and Job has responded to them, a young man comes upon the scene by the name of Elihu. And Elihu sums up and says, 
First of all, that he's angry with Job because Job is justifying himself rather than God. Job starts out very good. But as Job is hearing the counsel of his three friends, it wears and wears upon him, and Job feels he has to defend himself. He is being falsely accused by these three friends. But somewhere in that process, Job shifts from pointing to God and justifying God to where he begins justifying himself. But then also Elihu is upset with Job's counselors because they have no answers other than to to blame Job for everything that has happened. Well, this morning we are going to see God speaking. We're going to hear from him. Job wants to question God. In Job 31, verse 35, Job says this, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. So Job wants an audience with God, and he wants God to answer his question. So God is going to answer Job, but not in the way that Job expects, because God is going to question Job. Twice, in Job 38.3 and in Job 47, we read God saying, dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. So God is going to speak, and as he speaks, he has questions for Job. Now, I've invited two of our elders, Rick Colelli and Pastor Bruce Rosa, to join me. I didn't feel comfortable editing the message of God, the words that God had to say. So we're going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture here this morning, looking at exactly what God has to say to Job. So I'd like for you to look at your Bibles, Job chapter 38, that's where we're going to start reading, and we're going to see what Job has, or what God has to say to Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. 
Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt? to bring rain on the land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and the desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. Has the rain a father, has the rain a father, or has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of the heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey when the young ones cry to God for help? and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth, when they crouch and bring forth their offspring and are delivered of their young? Their young ones become strong. They grow up in the ocean. They go out and do not return to them. Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed the bonds of the swift donkey to whom I have given the arid plain for his home and the salt land for his dwelling place? He scorns the tumult of the city. He hears not the shouts of the driver. He ranges the mountains as his pasture and he searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind him in the furrow with ropes, or will he harrow the valleys after you? Will you depend on him because of his strength is great, and will you leave to him your labor? Do you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it to the threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and that the wild beasts may trample them. She deals cruelly with their young, as if they were not hers. 
Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear. Because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding. When she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with the mane? Do you make him leak like a locust? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exalts in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. Upon him rattle the quiver, the flashing spear, and the javelin. His fierceness and rage, is, he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, he says, ah, he smells the battle from afar, the thunder of the captains and the shouting. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spreads his wings toward the south? Is it at his command that the eagles mount up and makes his nest on high? On the rock he dwells and makes his home, and on the rocky crag and stronghold. From there he spies out the prey. His eyelids behold it from far away. His young ones suck upon blood, and where the slain are, there is he. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress for action like a man. I will question you and make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God, and can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger, and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low, and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then I also... Then will I also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. Behold behemoth, which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold his strength in his loins and the power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinew of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. For the mountains yield food for him, where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plant he lives, in the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh. For his shade the lotus trees cover him, the willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident, though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Come, one, take him by his eyes, or pierce his nose with a snare. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook, or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose, or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? 
Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird, or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near him with a bridle? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. His back is made of rows of shields, shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His his sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. In his neck abides strength and terror dances before him. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, sling stones are turned to stubble. Clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. On earth there is not his like, a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. (coughs) May God bless the reading of his word to us this morning. So God speaks. And as God speaks, he asks Job 60 questions. Job wanted to question God. But in response, God's answer is not what Job expected. You want to question me, God says? In turn, I have some questions for you. How would you like to answer God's questions? In doing so, God is showing Job things about himself that Job has not totally realized before. Now, I want us this morning to see Job's answer to God. The first thing that I see is that Job is silent. He's silent. Look at chapter 40. In your Bible, Job 40, beginning with verse 1. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? 
Okay, Job, you don't understand things. You're finding fault with what has occurred. Are you ready to contend with me? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. So what's Job saying here? Job is saying, I shouldn't have spoken. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever had words come out of your mouth that you wish you could capture and take and bring them back? Have there been times that you've responded to something that even right after you said it, you realize it would have been better off if you would have just shut up? That's what Job is is literally telling us here. Job is saying that he's not going to have anything else to say to God. You know, the book of Proverbs tells us this in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. There are times we just need to be quiet, right? You know, I've experienced that. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. There are words that I wish that I could take back. And that's what Job is saying here. So much so that he says, I'm even going to put my hand over my mouth. He's going to put his hand there so that he's not tempted to say anything else. As God reveals to Job who he is through the questions that he asks Job, Job's first response is to be silent. And friends, that's good advice for us. When God is speaking to us, we just need to listen. Secondly, we see over in Job chapter 42. You can join me there. That as he speaks, as God is speaking... Job recognizes God's power. Look at Job 42.1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job doesn't understand all that is happening to him. He doesn't understand the reason for it. He doesn't understand why evil has touched his life, but he recognizes it is not because God doesn't have the power to keep it from happening. Remember when we began this series of the problem of evil, one of the problems that we have in dealing with evil in our world and evil that touches our lives is that we know that God is all-powerful. And we know God could have kept things from happening. Job recognizes the power of God. Notice what he says there in verse 2. You can do all things. There's nothing that God cannot do. 
He is the omnipotent, all-powerful God. Notice what else he says. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Whatever you want to accomplish, God, no one can thwart you in it. That's what gives us great confidence as Christians. No matter what we're facing, no matter who comes against us, if God be for us, who can be against us? That is our God. And God is all-powerful. Job also recognizes God's wisdom. Look at Job 42, verse 3. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Job, because he has confidence that God is almighty, also recognizes that God has all wisdom. And God can be trusted because he is the all-wise God. We may not understand the evil that touches our life. We may not understand the pain that comes into our life. We may not understand fill in the blank, but our God is still all-wise, and he is working out things for his glory. Remember the question of the disciples. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither of them sinned, but that glory may be brought to God. And so Job is recognizing the wisdom of God, and he was talking about things when he talked to God and wanted an answer from God that he did not understand. He recognizes God's wisdom. Romans 16, verse 27, reminds us, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our God is a wise God. That is why God asks of Job in Job 38, 2, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So Job is silent. He recognizes God's power. He recognizes God's wisdom. He recognizes God's greatness. Look at verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes seize you. Job has grown deeper in his knowledge of God. He said, I had heard about you with my ear. Friends, there is a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. If you're here this morning and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may know all about God, but you can know about him without having a personal relationship in which you know him. Even the demons and the devil knows about God. They know far more about God than any of us know. But there's a difference between knowing about and knowing. 
And Job is saying, I had heard of you by my ears, but now my eye sees you. Through the eyes of faith, Job sees. And even though Job was a follower of God before, remember when the book opens, he's a just man. He's a righteous man. But now he has grown in his understanding of God. And he understands him even deeper than he did before. And he recognizes the greatness of God. And then the next thing I want you to see about Job is his answer to God is that Job repents. Look at verse 6. Therefore, because of this, because I've grown in my knowledge of you, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Therefore, because of this, I despise myself. Now, that word despise is probably not the best translation for the word that is used here. That word can also be rendered, I reject what I have said. The Hebrew word literally means to disappear, to retract, to repudiate. What Job is actually saying here is that he practically canceled himself entirely. I disappear. I retract all that has been said. I repudiate the position I have taken up. Job is saying, everything that I've said, I want to take it all back. Have you ever felt like that? You've said something and you want to take it all back. I, I, I hope you're not like me because I have this tendency that I will say something and even when I find out it's wrong, I'll try to defend myself. <laughs> I remember long ago, someone gave me the advice, a guy that I worked with and he was my boss and he says, Butch, there's only one thing worse than making a bad decision. And that's defending the bad decision that you've made. And so we have a tendency, don't we? Uh, because we feel ourselves backed into a corner to try to defend what we've said, even when we know, well, I probably shouldn't have said it. Job is saying, hey, I take it all back, God. If I could rewind the clock, I wouldn't have said any of those things. I just want to retract everything that I have said to you, and I repent before you. To repent means to turn from. I turn from everything that I've said. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 reminds us of this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble yourself. Job humbles himself before God. He turns from what he was saying in trying to justify himself. And he turns from that and turns to God. Now let's make some practical application here this morning. First of all, question. Do you know God? Do you know God? Have you repented 
and exercised faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me speak to those who are here this morning who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus, who have never accepted Him as their Lord and Savior. You may know about God, but that's not enough. You need to know Him, to enter into a personal relationship with Him. That can only happen when you put your faith and trust in Him. That is the moment of salvation, when we trust in Him, in the one who went to the cross, shed His blood, and died so that we could be saved. We put our faith and trust in Him, and that begins our relationship with Him, in which we can grow more and more in Him. Do you know Him? Have you trusted in Him as your Lord and Savior? Now let me talk to those of us here who've already done that. You know, Job was a follower of God. We saw that in chapters 1 and in chapters 2. But Job needed to grow in his faith and in his confidence in God. Job, through the process of everything that happened to him, became angry with God. Have you ever been angry with God? I've been angry with God in the past over events, over things that have occurred, over evil that has touched my life, things that I do not understand. To this day, I do not understand them. But at some point, we have to move past that anger. We have to move past those feelings of anger and put our trust in the fact that God knows what is best. So what are you upset with God about? Maybe you're upset because uh, financially things aren't working out the way you were hoping. You'd say, hey, Butch, a, a week ago I was feeling pretty good, but this last week the stock market took this nosedive and everything I was planning on, it was gone in a moment. I was ready to retire until this last week. And now you're upset, you're angry. Or maybe it's over the death of a loved one. We say, it's just not fair. I cannot understand why God took my loved one. Or maybe it's about your life in general in which you say, you know what? Life hasn't turned out the way I planned. I had all these dreams when I was young. I had all these plans of all the things that I wanted to accomplish and how everything was going to turn out but it hasn't turned out that way. Or maybe it's with your grandkids, or uh, maybe it's with your kids that things haven't turned out the way you were planning on, and you don't understand as you see evil of this world touch their lives. You know, at some point, we have to come to where Job finally arrives in that we trust God that he is all wise, 
and we humble ourselves before him. And we repent of our sin and our turning away from him. So for those of us that know Christ as Savior, we need to exercise this faith in him as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as you speak to be silent and listen to what you have to say. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we've questioned you. Forgive us for the times that we've thought we know better than you know. Help us, Lord, that we would turn away from that and turn to our Savior. We thank you that you love us and that you are working in our lives and that you are working to bring glory to yourself. And so we praise you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.